0: Welcome to the Texas Hemp Show podcast. This is podcast number 111 this week on the Texas Hemp Show podcast. I am Russell, the publisher and editor for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine, and your host for the Texas Hemp Show podcast 111 this week, Rachel Nelson, my co-host, riding shotgun with me. Hi, Rachel. Oh, let me turn you up. Yeah. There you are. There I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to see you, and... Uh, uh, have you here in the studio once again this week? We got a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking with found, co-founder and CEO of Power Bio Farms, Colt Power, is going to join us here on the show. And then later in in the uh, program, we're going to talk with our friend Chelsea Spencer from Ritter Spencer Law Firm about some things going on with dishes and what's going on with manufacturing of smokable hemp and there's some news that's been coming out uh, in the last few days so wanted to get a, an update from the legal side of things as that always uh, makes us look good when we have an attorney on that knows their stuff so nobody knows their stuff better than chelsea so we'll get get her comments here shortly but let's uh, bring this music down here and um, let's uh, bring in uh, colt from our friend colt power welcome colt to the program man how are you
1: Doing great. Thank you very much for having me on tonight.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, man. Uh, we appreciate your support of the magazine and the show and the work that you're doing. We thought let's get uh, some producers on. We got you booked a, a couple of weeks ago there and definitely um, excited to, to have you be on the show and tell us what's going on on all things uh, Power biofarms up there in the Dallas area. What's, uh, what's cooking new with you and uh, tell us a little about your background, how you got into space.
1: Yes, sir. Well, uh, I guess since that was your last question or or, uh, (laughs) intro, I'll go ahead and lead with that. Um, Sure. Born and raised here in Dallas, Uh, went to Episcopal school of Dallas here where like you'd mentioned, I played football and lacrosse and Mm -hmm. um, was lucky enough to get recruited to get to play lacrosse uh, in college at Notre Dame uh, at the division one level and uh, had a great time doing that. We went to the national championship my sophomore year and lost in overtime and made it back to the final four of my senior year and uh, had a great run. But, uh, you know, I got four some injuries in the process. I still had some from football from when I was younger, too. And uh, that was ultimately kind of what led me to this. So I'll, I'll digress a little bit and say that I went from uh, – moved back to Fort Worth after I graduated from Notre Dame, um, decided I really wanted to be back in Texas, but maybe not necessarily right back in my parents' house. Uh, I thought Fort Worth was a little bit farther farther away where I could see them on my terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I just love Fort Worth uh, and all the growth and kind of unique culture it has to it. But uh, I got into commercial real estate brokerage and did that from tw- 2012 through uh, basically COVID. I still do some, but uh, mm-hmm. it was around when COVID hit that I decided to lean into my passion for cannabis and, and hemp products and kind of cannabinoid medicine. Um, like you said, partly inspired by my own story, partly inspired by some of the things my wife had seen and, and, uh, experience within, you know, the medicine or the medical industry and kind of the opportunities she thought she saw from these products. And then just the unbelievable timing of, you know, we've got a proven medicine that that's natural that, um, whatever comes straight out of a plant and it's just now becoming legal and becoming a, an above board industry. So
0: no, that's uh, really the
1: entrepreneur in me. Thought it was time.
0: Just tell us about, you know, your production up there and, and how you guys are vertically integrated. What's moving the most for you. Tell us a little bit about the brand.
1: Sure. Well, um, like I was saying, once I kind of decided this was a, a venture and an industry that I was going to pursue, I was really first moved to, to the cultivation part of, uh, of the supply chain, I think good flour really is the the beginning and the end of a good can- cannabis operation and a good cannabis product. And um, you know, nothing against sourcing from other great farmers and and depending on uh, and someone else to supply you, but I really like to make stuff. And if that's the most important important part of the whole chain, I thought we'd we'd start there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as the smokeable uh, law kind of went into Supreme Court and this business model of uh, thinking we were just gonna you know sell nothing but premium flour and pre-rolls was in question. I decided to to lean more fully into building out the whole supply chain. Said so, you know, whether it's in the hemp space or the ability to compete for a medical cannabis license or just not knowing how things are gonna evolve, you're better off mm-hmm. as a more capable, more stable, more flexible um, operator in the long run, the more vertically integrated you are. So um, we've spent the last two and a half years building out a uh, you know, multi-tier, we use, uh, three levels high in our veg and two levels high in our flower room. Um, but indoor cultivation year round, um, you know, kind of always bring it down fresh, fresh product, control every input. And then that goes straight into our lab, a couple doors down in the same facility where we can process it into whatever, uh, you know, demand, I guess, dictates. And so we make everything from, um, tinctures, gummies, um, bath bombs i won't rattle it all off but uh yeah we've, we've learned to make a great a great deal of products kind of from seed to sale over the last two and a half years and it's, uh, and, it's been and really that, fun to learn it all
0: that website's powerbiofarms.com, biofarms.com and that's p-h-a-r-m-s.com Power yeah Biofarms. i yeah, love the
2: spelling <laughs> i really is that just a play on you know the medical um benefits of it
1: that that definitely is where that was coming from i you know, I wanted to call it a farm, but I wanted to lean like yeah, indicate the medical impetus or, mm-hmm. or kind of what where our passion is. And sometimes I love it. I, I love to hear that you like it because sometimes when I have to spell it on the phone all the time. <laughs> I, I, I like the way it looks and when people get it, I'm like, see, it's
2: a- Yeah. And yeah. it um your last name also lends itself well. <laughs> Power biofarms. Like I did not know that was your last name. I just thought you it was a like you know, it was telling of the quality of your products, like powerful, which I agree with because I've tried your gummies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love to hear that. I love to hear, too, that I hadn't even thought about that angle. With it being my last name, I kind of forget some of the impact it can have. But <laughs> it, it was actually an entre, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship mentor of mine early in the process that I threw out some names I was kind of drafting up for, for the, the business. And he said, he's like, no, those are all terrible. If you don't use your name, you're doing it wrong. He's like, your name's too unique. So.
0: Yeah. You know, Colt, it could yeah. also lend a, uh, a, a good, it could be a good move in a future political career ever just throwing that out there too. there's a great campaign slogan somewhere in there as well. But uh, <laughs> do you have a percentage of your business that does white labeling? How, how much of that do you see that you guys uh, are doing? You know, that was really a
1: a pleasant surprise to us in the evolution of our business. Like I said, originally, we were just going to be kind of boutique flower under our brand. um, And and then it evolved into kind of making, doing our own extraction manufacturing, which originally was intended to just be for for our own brand or brands. And, um, you know, around early middle of this year, we started to get connected with more brands and store operators here in DFW in particular that were looking for a quality supplier of, of products. Someone was willing to work with them to come up with or, or figure out how to make new formulations, new offerings. And uh, I we really enjoy those challenges and it helped us kind of grow our business faster uh than you know having to take down every every new customer uh one by one. Uh, we still want to do it and we want to grow the, the brand, but it's nice to, to be able to have a to bring up have a brand bring their existing uh kind of production demands mm-hmm. over to you and say, Hey, help help us supply this. And Uh, we've gotten a lot of great learning reps and and built some great relationships to that.
0: Rachel, you got one for them?
2: Um, Actually I do. Why do you think Power Bio Farms is um, so unique in the space? Like what sets you guys apart?
1: We really tried to design our operation and uh, focus and team for where the market was going, not necessarily where it was right, right now. Um, You know, I know that there's more cost effective ways for coming up with, some of the inputs are coming up with some of the products that we make them right now but we wanted to develop like i was saying the infrastructure we wanted to actually have facilities and assets that that we had operating under the hemp space so that we could do more different things within our business and and be positioned for the expansion of more legal cannabis options as it came on board so uh not to say we made things intentionally harder for ourselves from the get-go but i like to think we're we're a more qualified more capable company for kind of whatever uh, this this wildly erratic uh, and unpredictable <laughs> industry can throw at us.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 starting to get a little wild, and, and turbulent as we get into the eighty eighth legislature. We'll talk more about that in, in the second half of the program. Can you tell us? I was looking on the, the about us page of your website earlier today, preparing for the show. Can you tell us about what some of the benefit of having those smaller batch? productions that you have for, for clients. And how can that be a benefit?
1: That's a huge benefit for, for brands and companies wanting to, to try something new, Mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily have to invest, you know, a lot of thousands or whatever, a large sum of money into a product that they don't know if it's going to sell or not yet. And Mm -hmm. we are happy to accommodate that. And like I said, it's helping us learn and, and, and really nail down and improve our processes and, um, in accommodating some of these these customers' smaller batches and, and helping learn through that, they we showed them we're willing to go the extra mile, figure extra things out. They helped us get better by doing more reps, and um, I think it was kind of a good a, a good mutual exchange.
0: Richard you got one?
2: Um, yeah. How many retailers do you have your products in in Texas right now?
1: I believe we're somewhere between twenty, somewhere in the twenty twenty five range. Um, we're primarily at, at stores up here in the dfw area uh like i was saying with the learning of it all I, I, we really did not get our uh i guess our our products and packaging into the to the level that i was really ready to try to push more in the wholesale distribution channels until mm-hmm. a couple of months ago so we're, we're right now working on on staffing up our uh our sales teams and training them and and starting to kind of get the the phones and emails flowing to push product out there um but uh that really hadn't been our focus we were focused on on Said, getting experience making some other people's brands and and building out our direct to consumer business. Yeah, and, so and, we're excited to see that grow.
0: And speaking of your direct to consumer, I know that you've got you've got you've got capsules, tinctures. I see there's a pet brand. Uh, you've got flour, uh, gummies. There's quite a versatile group of products. How many SKUs do you guys have in total over there at Power? Uh, total
1: SKUs. I mean, if you count different, uh, quantities of gummies and, and different flavors and all those things, it could probably add up pretty quick. We'll oh, offer, wow. Um, you know, our, our best sellers by far are, are the gummies, uh, the pet products do very well. Our flower, our flower does very well, um, as well, but, uh, probably more than we want to have in the long run, to be honest. But like I said, in, in learning, we had to try some things out and we've seen now what, what has moved, what hasn't moved, what people have liked, what they haven't. And, uh we're we're interested to to scale some of that back to the to the winners in the long run
0: You, i think you have a special that you guys do that anything you purchase on the website over 50 bucks has free shipping is that right
1: we do free shipping on orders over 50 that used to be 75 we brought it down we really wanted to, to try to uh lower that hurdle and make sure that wasn't a deterrent for people getting our getting our products in their hands and uh We've cooked all kinds of different discounts into our our direct consumer platform. We've got a an affiliate program that you can register for. There's um, discounts that come naturally through the email. Um, I can't speak to to all of them, but uh, so we really we really try to. More importantly, we try to offer a fair price from the from the jump, um, and not, I guess, not not overcharged so We don't have to discount, but so, especially for new first customers, we try to make it easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Can you talk more about your affiliate program? Because you're the first um, business that has really brought that up, at least since I've been around. And I'm just curious, like, do you guys have a lot of interest in that? Is it successful or are you kind of trying to recruit people?
1: Um, I've been really impressed with the way it's performed recently. You know, we set it up not too terribly long ago and uh, recently pushed it through um, yeah, through my commercial real estate Career, I've, I've built some great relationships with some medical practices that are that are open to uh, more natural remedies, including you know cannabis medicine. And uh, they had had really jumped on board and, and were able to start referring products to some of their patients, and you know be, reap the rewards. Their patients get the discount; uh, they get a cheaper purchase, and they get um, once they've cleared a certain threshold of, of commissions generated, they get an automatic payment. And, uh, especially for someone like that who's already already has an opportunity to to refer a lot it's it's great but really for anyone who believes in it and has friends that they think uh could be a candidate or could benefit from it it seems to be a great way to to lower the hurdle on that intro and say hey not just like go buy this but here's you know pretty i think it's 15 percent off that's not not Mm -hmm. nothing
0: Colt power from Power Biofarms our guest here on podcast 111 this week here on the show. Uh, Colt, you know we we are getting into the legislation session. It's just started with uh, the 88th legislature here in Texas. We hope to see some better laws with with regarding other cannabinoids. Are you optimistic or excited to see what kind of changes may happen here with the 88th legislature here this uh, this spring?
1: I think it's going to be a big one. I think there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. Obviously, with uh, DPS already open for uh, more teacup licenses, that's certainly exciting. You know, there's, there's hemp bills on the table. There's the you know, all kinds of different stuff on the medical and rec side of cannabis. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I expect some things to change. I don't, I don't expect any massive jumps, but I think that the, the rails are going to move on, on, all, on all the different spaces, so we'll see where they all land be an exciting
0: year well it uh, is certainly turbulent waters and we're all just navigating this space um you have anything special you want to shout out or or tell folks how they can learn more a little bit about power biofarms?
1: um i guess we're uh yeah it's really proud how far we've come and, and and what feels like a crazy short amount of time this uh this industry is so much fun it's so much fun to, to know that your products are helping people feel better yeah. every day and and that we've built an operation that, that i know everyone loves to come work at and uh that was kind of a surprise mm. to me and how rewarding that was yeah. uh you know at first it was it was just nick and i toiling uh in here with the plants until we were able to to grow it and get get some more help but uh it's awesome to see it kind of be like a firehouse where everyone's kind of just excited to be here and it's a hangout and everyone's working very hard all the time but uh I think that's a nice kind of nice thing about the cannabis culture if you get the right the right people on your team everyone's in it for the right reasons they all have have typically some kind of compelling story from their life or or the life of a loved one that brought them to it so it's not just about a place to go work and to get a paycheck but it's they really feel like they're they're bringing good into the world so,
0: yeah, yeah. Great, i totally agree feeling. well that's good stuff listen um, we're gonna wrap for this segment and uh are you gonna be in the events in 2023 can we see you back out there on the road with with uh the 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 hemp and cbd wellness community out there in 2023
1: absolutely we're doing our first uh, brewery partnership event this weekend uh, I don't know if this will come out in time but if anyone's in the in the Fort Worth area on mm-hmm. the 21st we're, we're going out to Martin house brewery over by the top golf just on the uh, east side of downtown and they're hosting dank fest oh and, cool uh, oh, they've fine. got us and I think a couple other uh, yeah green green vendors so it's a that it's a very green friendly event
0: <laughs> the 21st dank fest I need to make sure we we mentioned that and plugged that, uh, but um, sounds like fun. And, uh, and yeah, the podcast will be airing out on the airwaves tomorrow, so uh, we'll be able to – that will get a plug after all. So that's good. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you for being a part of the show, Colt. Thank you for the work you do and, and, and your contribution to the space. We appreciate it, buddy.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. It's a great opportunity.
0: All right, thank you so much. There he goes. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about some legal matters with this upcoming eighty eighth legislature. Our friend Chelsea Spencer from Ritter Spencer will be on the program with us. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side. Podcast one eleven of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. We'll be right back, guys. <laughs>
3: your gypsy so just like in the days of old, then magnificently we will flow into the mystic. Hey, this is Chichmarine, Marine, and you're listening to The Texas Hemp.
4: Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Lab's exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one on one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956 383 0739.
5: Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. We are ATX blood
3: Tenders and we sell marijuana. Nosotros somos los ATX tenders y nosotros vendemos Obviously, that was all made up. And obviously,
5: we don't give a f- We will serve a country. We'll serve anyone. Real marijuana today. 737 gas atxbuttenders.com. Contact us now and get weed cheaper than any time in your fucking life. Do you qualify for medical marijuana? Texas allows medical grade products with THC. If you have a diagnosis of PTSD, neuropathy of any kind, including diabetic, any cancer or seizure disorder, Doctor A at Good Earth MMJ Clinic will help. You believe in cannabis's medical benefits, as do we. VA veterans with PTSD do not fear, as your benefits are protected with a Doctor A's prescription in Texas. Please visit goodearth210.com for all details and book an appointment. Next day appointments available. We're here to get you well, not high. That's goodearth210.com.
3: The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops across Texas. McAllen, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Lubbock, and San Antonio. Texas lawmakers will be in session this year to improve or alter laws on cannabis products. So stay tuned and informed this legislative season with the Texas Hemp Show podcast and the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Would you like to host the Texas Hemp Show podcast in your business or special? special event now booking live broadcast from your location with our new demo vehicle the texas Green machine email russell at texas hemp reporter at gmail.com now back to the show with your host russell dowden
0: To the Texas Hemp Show podcast, I'm Russell with the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine, and we are bringing on our next guest. Thank you to Colt in the Colt Power from Power Bio Farms from the Dallas area chiming in on the program. But uh, we're going to heat things up with uh, the legal conversations here as things get going in the 88th Legislature and some recent announcements. Our friend and legal counsel comes on the show from time to time and we had, didn't have her on last year but we're happy to have her on early this year welcome to the program chelsea spencer from ritter spencer on the texas Hemp show hey how are you doing
6: i'm good thanks for having me back uh, I yes thought, thought i'd be back after my year hiatus
0: <laughs> you took a year off for good reasons and congratulations motherhood is Thank upon you. you. <laughs> so congrats Thank on that.
6: Yep. For, for any of you who don't know, I, I had a, a son in December of 2021. So I committed that for 2022. <sighs> mm-hmm. I was stepping back from all of my speaking appearances, everything like that. And, and I kept to it.
0: Well, I we're friends on Facebook. I'm friends with you on LinkedIn. And I kind of saw some posts here and there. You were traveling and and I never really said a whole lot, but i I kind of got the sense you were taking a break, <laughs> so congrats <laughs> for that
6: I wish <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh, yeah. well a, a, not a legal break maybe but uh no I don't know but uh yeah you you were out there uh uh doing the new motherhood so uh congratulations on that but uh Thank you. We're not on here today for your parental skills. We're asking you today about your legal knowledge. And I guess let's uh, jump in here uh, to recap on 2020. Chelsea, you were part of the firm, the firm fought for the smokable hemp ban back in 2020, right? Uh,
6: yes, uh, along with my co-counsel, Matt Zorn at Yeter Coleman. That's
0: right. That's right. So so in 2021, we fought for uh, the injunction in place, uh, tw- 2020. In 2021, we saw legislative session that uh, had a lot of moving parts and a lot of bills floating around there, but we, we didn't get, I know we moved up from 5% to 1% in the uh, last session. They um, expanded, they did expand me- medical cannabis for a number of things like chronic pain. I think we got veterans on board. Maybe even PTSD. So some of the pre-qualifying conditions were uh, amended in last session. What kind of movement can we expect here with the eighty-eighth session coming up as lawmakers get into cannabinoids, uh, and then um, and then we'll touch in on on what what's what's happened in twenty twenty two with delta eights, and um, what do you expect in the next session though, Chelsea?
6: Uh, well, our legislature is currently in session. And unfortunately, I don't expect much substantive change here in Texas. And I say that simply because uh, the elections in November were not favorable to changing conditions in the cannabis landscape. Um, if you work in the industry here in Texas, you're probably acutely aware of the fact that L- Lieutenant Governor essentially controls what makes it to the to floor for vote. Um, and he has had a very tight hands on the cannabis and hemp programs here, such as our smokable prohibitions along with a few other uh, others absent leadership change in that position. I think we will see some expansion in qualifying conditions. We'll see a couple of technical rule changes in the teacup program. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are going to be based on the findings of a working group and input from the rule uh, rule and comment period that was I think about two to three months ago when they were going in an annual technical four-year review of the rules, they accepted public comment on things that may need to change. So we'll see some slight modification there. Um, don't get too excited. There, there were some pre-filing <laughs> bills where representatives filed um, what we call physician's choice bills that would basically put the discretion on dispensing a product to a patient in the physician's discretion where mm-hmm. it should be. That's good. It's closest to the patient. It's not going to happen.
0: It won't uh, happen. We're not going to get that.
6: And we won't. Every other state has a catch-all provision that will say, you know, for any other physician or any other condition that the the dispensing physician deems necessary, uh, we're never going to get that. <laughs> At least not this session.
0: Well, in 2022, there was no enforcement on Delta Eight products issued last year, despite the Supreme Court upheld the. Safety Code 443-204 uh, uh, still prohibits the processing or manufacturing of consumable hemp products for smoking, but now that's changing as as in 2023, we are we starting to see enforcement?
6: Yeah, yeah. so that's separate from the Delta 8 issues. This is a prohibition on smokables, period. So um, when we took the case up to the Supreme Court, despite the best efforts that we've possibly could have put out there. I mean, we knew within minutes of oral argument uh we were not going to be successful based on some of the uh, questions from the bench and the the overt hostility displayed to the plant um just in in a very short oral argument which you know oral arguments at the appellate level generally about 10 to 15 minutes um we were compared to prostitution, uh heavy drug use, uh there were questions on abortion that came up. I mean, <laughs> in the case about smoke hemp processing. So um, we, we assumed we had lost on the manufacturing, processing, walking out of there. And we did, but we won on the challenge to the dishes rule wherein they extended the statutory directive, which directed them to adopt a rule prohibiting the processing and manufacturing of smokable hemp in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. They had gone another step and extended that to retail and distribution. So we won on that portion. Um, dishes, the, the update, a lot of people um, initially freaked out about this email and I think it was uh, not, necess- not necessarily um, a new pronouncement by Dishes. It was poor wording on on their part. So they sent an email. Obviously, if you have a license, you received it. That basically said, if you're processing and manufacturing these things now, you need to stop. Um, and that was I'm not going to say it was <laughs> it was gracious of them, but technically, the law changed the day we received our Supreme Court decision. So the fact that they allowed some people to continue to operate. Um, didn't have to do that. They waited a while to do the yeah. announcement. So um, now they're saying if if you are continuing manufacturing and processing activities here in the state of Texas, they will enforce. Um, and obviously, my, my phone just went absolutely insane the minute they sent this
0: email. <laughs> I was part of that. I I, I reached out to you too. <laughs> and uh, just to quote from the to quote from the the public service announcement from dishes. Uh, If you or your firm currently manufacture or process consumable hemp products for smoking in Texas, including white labeling, you must cease this activity immediately. So that went out this week. I've started getting calls from retailers asking if I'd heard about this. Uh, I began to to share it with my legal brethren rather quickly. What do the retailers need to know? Do they just stop? They they cannot-
6: White label. And this is what, what everyone missed. It's funny you, you picked up out of that whole pronouncement, the email, this particular sentence, because I immediately as a lawyer said, wait a minute. And I went to the dishes website and they have added under the Frequently Asked Questions page yeah. a paragraph that says, you know, what happens if I white label consumable hemp products for smoking from out of state? And this is going to affect not not only, you know, dist- distributors, but also retailers who have moved all of their smoking processing out of the state for white labeling. So let me break it down and cause people can get really confused on the technicality of this. So if you are a retailer who is selling a third party smokable product or a distributor who's selling a, a mm-hmm. third party smokable product in the state of Texas, you're fully permitted to continue that with the caveat that we'll talk about, in the, you know, your need for a food wholesaler license. And we'll get to that. Um, if you are white labeling in, in the true sense of white labeling, where everything is, is done out of state, including the label being affixed out of state, Dishes is taking the position that under the Texas Food and Drug Cosmetics Act, that constitutes an act of manufacturing, um, and they're getting that from the definition of food manufacturer, which includes, a, there's a, another sentence in there that says it includes retail outlets. Um, that package or label foods before sale or a person representing itself as, as responsible for the purity and proper labeling of an article of food by labeling the food with the person's name and address. So everybody's shocked by this. They're saying, oh, this just is just trying to outlaw white labeling. I, I sort of feel for dishes there, and I say that, you know, it's the firm responsible for pursuing them in the last <laughs> round. Um, they're constrained by the statute here. That is what the statute says, and it, it, the Texas Food and Drug Cosmetic Act does apply to consumable hemp products. So where I think they may be wrong on this, um, dishes is of the opinion that consumable hemp products for inhalation, which is, uh, you know, all of your smokable products are food items. Uh, which mm-hmm. frankly makes no sense to me because food is defined in the Texas Food and Drug Cosmetics Act as an article used for food or drink for man. So let's take a cigarette. Is it food or drink for man? No. Chewing gum. Is it chewing gum? No. Mm-hmm. Or articles used for components of any such article. So is a cigarette used as a component for chewing gum or a component of a food or a drink product? No. Um, so I highly disagree that it's classified as a, as a food item. Right. I, I do think this new interpretation of theirs is susceptible to a carefully crafted challenge that i, I will not <laughs> give out to my competitors it's not just a, a pure straight administrative challenge at all um but that being said so retailers can continue to sell if you are manufacturing or processing here in the state you should have stopped when the texas supreme court order came down if you didn't you should stop now and even if you're white labeling wholly out of state but it you're if, you know, you are the person directing the process to bring it back into the state to sell. They are of the the opinion now that that is an illegal act. It was. I was pretty shocked when I yeah, read that paragraph.
0: A lot of retailer, a lot of people are doing this. They're going to Oklahoma. I know a number of my clients that yeah. advertise with us do this already. They started this process when you know they 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 heard of this last year. So. Uh, that's now illegal
6: that it, it according to the dishes interpretation that is is now illegal and until someone challenges that interpretation in a court of law and a, a court reviewing court says otherwise yeah that's exactly right that is the law here in texas
0: now chelsea and I,
6: a lot of people did not catch that in that little release because they did not put it in the email
0: no it's not in it's not in the printout of the yep. actual let it's in the frequently asked questions segment Uh, so folks need to go through there and we, uh, we will put a link on the YouTube video. When we post this, we will also post a link to that. So folks can see this very important. Now it looks like they also want to issue a new wholesaler's license. Is that new?
6: So it's, it's not new in the, the sense of, of it's, let me back up. It is new in that it's, it's not necessarily a, a direct admonition in HV 1325 or our hemp statute, but we knew it was coming because there is a directive that you need other applicable licenses, applicable law. So the um, same thing, it's Texas Food and Drug Cosmetics Act. And it, it essentially states that a food wholesaler is any person who distributes food for resale. So that's going to either through a retail outlet or through just an individual sale to a person to person sale. So that's going to get every brick and mortar retail store out there and even distributors because they are selling food products. So, yep, um, to stay in compliance with dishes, you need a valid food wholesaler license from the state of Texas. So. There are going to be a lot of retail stores. If you're a retail store listening to this, you know you def- definitively need it. Um, I actually have um, I've got a copy of I spoke with Dishes on this earlier. Um, yeah, if a, if a firm because I had a question about you know what what about the CHP license holders who manufacture but are also selling? Were they the, the you know historically Dishes has always instructed and I had in writing from them that if you're a manufacturer or a processor that holds a chp license because you're processing or manufacturing consumable products you did not need a a retail license so Mm -hmm. i was wondering are they going to make them get a food wholesaler license now the answer is no straight from the horse's mouth they say if a firm is only underlying wholesaling not manufacturing they will need a food wholesaler license dishes will not durable permit one address for a chp if the manufacturing and retail selling are happening under one address only the consumable hemp product license is required. Uh, if you're in separate locations, then yes, you'd have to have the CHP license on the manufacturing entity and then the retail license and wholesale license on the retail location itself. So one additional license for everyone to go run out and get.
0: <laughs> and then Chelsea, so, so you, get, you can't have your facility on the border of New Mexico without that, without that license as well? or the out-of-state manufacturing of it is illegal as well.
6: So they they can't outlaw the out-of-state manufacturing. They okay. can't make a directive to a manufacturer sitting in New Mexico. But if you if you were using a facility in New Mexico to white label smokable products. Um, you know, so you've got let's call it Russell's manufacturing is white labeling Chelsea's pre-roll and I'm sitting in Texas and I call you in New Mexico and say, you know, hey, Russell's Manufacturing, can mm-hmm. you do this pre-roll for me? You guys do everything over there. You, you manufacture it, you package it for me, you put my brand on it, Chelsea's brand, and you ship it back to me in Texas. Dishes has taken the position that that is an illegal act because food manufacturer, again, is defined. It's got that little sentence in there that says the term also includes a retail act outlet that packages or labels food for sale or a person that is responsible for the purity and and uh what is it yeah purity and proper labeling of a food article now again I, i very much so dispute their premise that a consumable hemp product for inhalation is a food i don't know where they're getting that from i mean literally food is defined as article used for food or drink chewing gum or any article used for a component of such article it's that's not I don't know how they're getting that a smokable product is food. So this is all premised on food. So um, I think there are susceptible to some challenges on the interpretation there, I believe.
2: Well, do you know how this is going to be enforced? D- do they have agents assigned to this? Like, do we know anything about the enforcement budgets?
6: Yeah, so so we do. Um, Dish- Dishes has uh, internal inspectors. A lot of people listening have probably been visited by them in the past year. They, <laughs> they do actively inspect. They're, it's not a huge division. Um, they're vastly overworked for for the state of inspections that they need to be conducting here in the state of Texas. But the answer to that is twofold. Yes and no, we don't know how it will work. Yes, in the sense that um, HB 1325 contained a directive for the executive commissioner of dishes to adopt rules that uh, would provide uh, an administrative penalty provision. Um, No, in the sense that our administrative rules only contain, you know, maybe three sentences on violations. And it simply says that the dishes commissioner has to provide number one, fair notice of a potential violation and number two, an opportunity to cure any unintentional or negligent violation. And, you know, your second question is probably going to be, well, what's an unintentional or negligent violation. Mm -hmm. It's not defined. It's just (laughs) uh, very open open to interpretation. (laughs) Exactly. Quite subjective. You know what I may have done intentionally, you may interpret it as a willful act. So Um, the rule provision also provides, and this is, this is the scary part because they drafted this specifically into our hemp rags, doesn't, doesn't necessarily appear in in other subsets of, uh, items that are within the purview of Dish's regulatory authority. They included a provision that says every day that you're in violation constitutes a separate violation. So most regulatory regimes have a, um, you know, almost a three strikes and you're out. uh, Yeah.
0: what are the penalties? Do we know what the penalties are? Have they explained penalties yet? Just? Your guess
6: is as good as mine. So <laughs> it is an administrative agency, so they should have the ability to impose a monetary fine. You can look at the the other uh, enforcement mechanisms. Dishes employs, particularly in uh, the health or medical industry, tattoo parlors, anything that affects public health and safety. They, um, you know, for example, on a different different industry, they have severity scales where it's like one to seven. And if you're a level one violation, it's five hundred bucks. If you're like a level 10 violation it can be you know 15 grand mm-hmm. um but no we really don't know the process and an administrative violation part of um part and parcel of an administrative violation process everybody throws around the word due process but that's exactly what a due, pro- due process intention is is if dishes comes in and cites you once and you cure it and then you you know do something again and then the third day you're still in violation so they say okay great at this point we're going to pull your license you're entitled to an administrative hearing with the agency prior to that penal action. Um, what that's going to look like, it, you know, just like any other dishes, administrative hearing, but as far as have they set up specific rules for uh, what the hemp penal regime is going to look like? No.
0: Well, how in the in fact,
6: world, come to think of it, I don't know a single person who's been cited yet. I know there have been, there's a lack of knowledge on behalf of the, like I had an inspector come out to one of my, clients is a huge cosmetics company. They sell in like Nordstrom's and Bloomingdale's and stuff. And the mm-hmm. inspector came out to the facility and the inspector asked them like, what, you know, I, why do you have your license? You don't have to have one because they make topical lotion products and things. And my client was like, no, that's a, cons- he was looking at consumable hemp products to mean food. And so I said, you know, is he still there? Can you pull up Dish's website? Cause they have a bullet point list and literally lotion is one of the examples they give. So <laughs> You can show that to him to say, you know, no, yeah, we. So that tells you a little bit about, you know, there's a learning curve here for them too. Um, The learning curve for anybody getting into cannabis.
0: Well, well, I don't know how this can help the market for producers or manufacturers in Texas, and it's the the waters are getting rocky. Yeah,
6: it's definitely not helping. It's hurting.
0: It's certainly hurting. Stay right there, Chelsea Spencer, our guest, podcast one eleven of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. We're going to continue this conversation and talk about uh, this market here and and this recent um, public service announcement and rule of enforcement that's coming from the department of state health services uh, it's the texas hip show i'm russell she's chelsea that's rachel we'll be right back on the other side with more it's the texas hip show <laughs>
3: This
0: is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to The Texas
4: Hemp No. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs' exclusive hemp monitoring program hemp plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit TPSLab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey,
5: this is Tommy Chong and you're listening to The Texas Hemp Show.
3: We are ATX Tenders and we sell marijuana Nosotros somos los ATX Tenders y nosotros vendemos marihuana A que mao A que mao Obviously, that was all made up and obviously,
5: we don't give up. F- we will serve a cup We'll serve anyone Real marijuana today 737 Gas Bud ATX Contact us now and get weed cheaper than any time in your fucking life. Do you qualify for medical marijuana? Texas allows medical-grade products with THC. If you have a diagnosis of PTSD, neuropathy of any kind, including diabetic, any cancer or seizure disorder, Dr. A at Good Earth MMJ Clinic will help. You believe in cannabis' medical benefits, as do we. VA veterans with PTSD do not fear, as your benefits are protected with a Dr. A's prescription in Texas. Please visit goodearth210.com for all details and book an appointment. Next day appointments available. We're here to get you well, not high. That's goodearth210.com.
3: The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops across Texas. McAllen, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Lubbock, and San Antonio. Texas lawmakers will be in session this year to improve or alter laws on cannabis products. So stay tuned and informed this legislative season with the Texas Hemp Show podcast and the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Would you like to host the Texas Hemp Show podcast in your business or special? event now booking live broadcast from your location with our new demo vehicle the texas Green machine email russell at texas hemp reporter at gmail.com now back to the show with your host russell dowden Tennessee stood
0: and hit the spot.
3: I got a hundred dollar bill, friend,
0: to keep your pills. All it's all going to pot. All right. It's I all going to, to pot. Welcome <laughs> <Must laughs> <think laughs> back to the, to the part. Texas Hip Show podcast number 111. As we come back there with a little Willie Nelson and friends, our guest Chelsea Spencer of Ritter Spencer on the program, kind of educating us a little bit. As we all got the uh, retailers kind of game came on on alert, this kind of thread of the dishes to uh, enforce, Rachel brought up an interesting point Chelsea here during the break is that you were saying that that could be was there motivation yeah, for them to
2: because the timing's just so interesting and and Russell shared that you know a lot of people in the industry didn't expect <laughs> a splash like this to be made until, you know, maybe after the session is over. So it makes me question, like, could their motivation be to go ahead and make the splash? And, uh, you know, because people like me who think this is absolutely ridiculous, maybe this is the time for change, like real legislative change.
0: Do they Uh, want a lawsuit, Chelsea? Do they want to be sued?
6: (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody... uh, from, from the lay public, they always look at it as like, oh, it's a big deal to be sued. These agencies, they're not scared of that. You know, they're, they're sued every day. They understand that's part of their role is uh-huh. to defend uh, the rules they adopt. So they, they know they're going to be open to lawsuit nearly any step they take. They're not scared of that. Um, that's an astute observation. I do find the timing quite interesting as well because, I mean, our decision on the smokeable hemp case came down, I think it was well over a year ago at this point, And I expected them to... Uh, you know, start some form of enforcement activity shortly after that. Why they did this with the the start of the legislative session, I have no clue. Yeah, that's odd. Um, yeah. It's incredibly odd. I think, I don't think they did it with the motivation to spurn the hemp industry to come out and blow up their legislators' phones. But that's precisely the impact it it, it should have. I say should, um, because yeah. it's, it's up to you guys now listening to go do that.
0: Yeah, to reach out to legislators and 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 your district and and say, hey, uh, how are we going to keep this program going and benefit from being in this space as business owners if there's this much red tape and regulation?
6: It's incredibly. It's it's just pure anti-competitive in nature because it. And this was the entire point of the the lawsuit under the Patel test is. It, there's no rational basis when any Texas consumer can buy as many smokable hemp products that they care to buy at any time, you know, smoke them wherever it's permissible in the state of Texas. Any retail store can sell any out-of-state manufacturer's product, but you cannot sell a Texas manufacturer's product, and you cannot sell your own product now, even though you had it labeled or, you know, manufactured, labeled, and packaged out-of-state
0: why?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sad. It's
0: retailers, haters. <laughs> re, they're, hater, they're drinking the hater aid. But yeah. <laughs> retailers, is I'm reading the last paragraph. Well, it's in the middle of this, but retailers who are not already licensed to sell consumable hemp products must obtain a retail hemp registration from DSHS by March 1, 2023. Information about obtaining the hemp registration is found on the website.
6: Well, so there's there's no excuse for that. All they're saying there is that if you're a retailer and you don't have your retail registration, you need to get it. And there, there'd be zero excuse because the registrations opened. They put the first rules out August 2020, and then they open licensing yeah. within 90 days after that. So yeah. if you are happen, happening to listen and you're selling CBD anywhere... And you still don't have... And you don't have a retail <laughs> license. You have zero excuse.
2: Go do that right
0: now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
2: It's, they're like, oh, and while we're at it, we'll just remind you that it's illegal to sell without a license. Like,
6: <laughs> I, you know, I think they did that probably because you know it, it's been two two years since the passage of the. Actually three two and a half years since the passage of the rules at this point. So there mm-hmm. are probably new shops that have opened up there that don't have retail Yeah, license.
0: that's possible. That mm-hmm. this is true. Not
6: everyone does their due diligence. <laughs> that's true.
0: So a lot of folks don't understand the three headed cannabis monster in Texas. And 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 I it took me some time to get this down and I just thought I would touch on this and maybe get your comment. Because uh, every state's different, Chelsea, and Texas is unique, and we talked about this off-air earlier about how the DPS, who enforces, <laughs> enforces law in the Texas, is now, you know, they're one of the agencies responsible for ca- the, the, the cannabis. Um, so you've got the Department of Agriculture oversees our hemp growers with regards to our farming program and our, our indoor grow operations. Uh, they, um, the Dishes oversees the consumable hemp side. Smokables, edibles. DPS is the ruling authority over our our teacup program that regulates the state's 1% uh, 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 THC cannabis uh, medical program. Do other states have it like this? I mean, is there...
6: Absolutely not. We are the only (laughs) state in the entire United States that puts the entire regulatory uh, jurisdiction for our medical marijuana program under the state law enforcement agency. (laughs) It seems like
2: a conflict of interest, to be honest, because these are the people that can arrest you, but yet they're also... I mean
0: the oversight for yeah. for for the medical THC program. I, I feel like well, we need to just... have a a cartoon that has like this three headed dragon of THC, THC monster and and this is the the organ. It's it's you know it, this is each organization. This Department of Ag. Dishes, yeah, it's so and DPS. fragmented
6: that that is odd. Um, so I, I will say in defense of the hemp program, that is very typical. Um, I'm trying yes. to think of a, a state out that is extremely typical right. to bifurcate the regime between the Ag side and the, the mm-hmm. product. Side. No, that's um, true. The, our gotcha. medical marijuana side. Now yeah, every state's one-headed dragon.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a two-headed dragon, not a three-headed dragon. But, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, but the agriculture departments, you know, that's very common. That, that the way that they do that, and 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 that's been fine. But is there, um,
6: but, you know, one more thing to think about with this is I, I've, and you'll not find anyone against this in the cannabis space that that's working with the lobby and those of us who are active in helping draft the legislation here. Everybody knows, you know, eventually it it needs to move out of DPS. There needs to be some yeah. sort of cannabis oversight agency that we have. Um but for now it's with DPS and and at the same time I I do feel sorry for them as an agency because if you're new to the cannabis realm, you know, we use our own lingo. Um <laughs> and they're having to get up to speed on not only our state program but the intricacies that are involved in the federal prohibitions and how how that works together yeah. in a, a sanctioned state regime. So, um, I I, you know, I, feel, I feel a bit for the agency. They've got a lot on the yeah. plate. Yeah, education is such a big piece, and
2: that's something they discussed a lot at the Texas Hemp Coalition. Is just the idea of um, putting together like educational events for. Um, governmental agencies, like police, um, so that, you know, bad things don't happen as far as enforcement, like we saw in Navarro County with Sky and Hobbs.
0: Yeah, Red River Management had a case, too, in uh, mid-2020, so we've seen these uh, rural law enforcement uh, take uh, extreme action, you know, when when they've had proper manifest and proper paperwork in order for, for legal hemp. What what changes can consumers of these products expect in 2023? As just from the consumer level, Chelsea, what what is this going to do to the market? You think with this threat of enforcement?
6: Um, uh, on the the dishes side, for consumers, if if they have a favorite product that was manufactured by a Texas manufacturer, or even you know a local store that's white labeling a smokable product that's their favorite. Uh, you can kiss it goodbye unless it's a, a very risk-inclined retail store that wants to get a, a, a violation from dishes. Uh, apart from that, I I don't expect many changes. Obviously, um, Delta 8 and high Delta 9 potency is, is always something that legislators are looking at. I don't believe that the Texas legislature is going to be do- Doing any, well, they're not going to be able to do anything about that this session. But I will say to to retailers listening who are banking everything in in Delta 8 and Delta 9, our legislators are very aware of uh, those, you know, very high potency products that some people are putting out, and there there is a plan to fix that at the federal level with the next farm bill iteration. So, consumers, you know, the, the oft phrase, make hay while the sun shines. <laughs>
0: Is there more legislative control and invasive procedure over business in the Texas cannabis space? I mean, it seems like, yes, there's more. And they
2: do it. I feel from the outside looking in, it just seems like they do it under the guise of, oh, smoking is bad for your health. But... I mean really yeah, I feel like we see right through it. It's <laughs> very disheartening.
6: It's very disheartening for me, you know, having done this smokeable case because it's it's not you know, every everybody A should have the right to if you want to go out and smoke whatever you want to smoke, great. But there are demonstrated medical studies that show that the immediate efficacy in pulmonary inhalation techniques, particularly for veterans suffering for PTSD, they're they're almost immeasurable. It it can be almost immediate relief when, for example, a veteran is having a PTSD episode if they take a sublingual tincture, the time for uh, that to become effective and to work on cessation of, of that manic event almost is quite different than if they take a puff of a vape and it's almost immediate effectiveness. So, you know, it's like the hatred for smoking has really hamstrung a, a lot of people who deserve really need those products i also hear you know i represent it's no secret if, if you know me i represent a lot of big tobacco companies big big bad tobacco mm-hmm. um and there are people who use the hemp smokable hemp products to see smoking tobacco products mm-hmm. so yeah you know they, they tried to raise that in the lawsuit that this was for public health there were two two defenses they gave number one was for public health and safety raising you know blah 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 big bad smoking um but you know it, no, the state shouldn't be your nanny, number one, in exactly. my opinion. Yeah. Um. But then number two, they were using the law enforcement differentiation problem, saying law enforcement can't distinguish hemp from cannabis. Well, that argument's out the window because consumers can still buy it and retailers can still sell it. So how does that help law enforcement whatsoever? It doesn't. Um. Which is why we were really confident that we would we would succeed until we got to, the, we knew we had a very hard appellate pathway. The Texas Supreme court is a, one of the most conservative state bench is in the nation. You know, Gov- governor, Abbott used to be on, on that bench. Um, so mm-hmm. we knew we were facing an uphill battle there. We did not expect a unanimous decision. Uh, and then to be compared, like I said, to prostitution and drugs and abortion and everything else they slung out at us during that, that argument, that was a little bit shocking.
0: Wow well um what 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 advice would do you have for the retailer that's out there that' got this email?
6: um if you ever have questions about regulation i'm I'm always an advocate for good counsel in in this industry, and obviously there's I'm not saying that because of self interest. It doesn't have to be me. It could be any qualified competent cannabis counsel who you actually vet that actually does cannabis because I can't say just this week alone, I've had two consults that have came in and said like, Oh, well, I I talked to another lawyer and within 30 minutes, it was apparent. They had no clue what they were talking about. So just bet who it is. If you can't afford counsel dishes is actually really helpful as an agency. Um, If you look at the consumable hemp program webpage, they have an email for contact. They have a phone number that you can contact. Um, I prefer email, obviously as an attorney, I (laughs) want to get any advice that they give me in writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, you know, in the, the past particularly when the program was new we would call and get one answer and then call back the next day and get another answer so get the answer in in writing but if you have any questions on any of the regulations you know email that it, i think it's dishes consumable hemp program at you know whatever their official website is but it's, it's on the website and they're they're quite helpful
0: yeah and and how can folks learn more i mean there's a number of attorneys that write for the magazine. Chelsea, I, I don't know if you've contributed anything not recently to the magazine, not but recently. but we have a couple of attorneys that write for the magazine, and and you know, uh, even if it's not calling uh, Ritter Spencer, call call and ask questions. Uh, but yeah, call one of them. Call, call any of them that 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 are, that that, um, that are out there to to give you some some legal advice. We try to educate. Uh, over here with the show and the magazine. We've in, tr- I think we've influenced some culture in that process. Uh, but we're all navigating these waters and, and uh, um, in this whirlwind of Texas cannabis. So uh, it's been a constantly learning thing for me in the three years that, that I've been covering this in this space. but uh, uh, final thoughts, Chelsea, just uh, as we you know get into the legislative session here as, and the bills start coming in.
6: So um, I think a lot of times with legislation, people have the problem of of me versus we. Mm. When they think that everyone else has already taken care of it, they don't tend to to handle it. The me becomes absent, believing that the we is handling it. Mm. Um, so if you feel strongly about any of this, for example, the, the food manufacturing requirement, that's our legislature can amend that the or food he- wholesaler requirement, excuse me the smokeable hemp prohibition. Our legislature has the prerogative to amend that. Contact your state representative, contact your senator. Um, everybody thinks everyone else is doing it, but one of the most valuable things that a legislature can get is input from their constituents. And they really do listen. I know yeah. there's several of you out there, you know, rolling your eyes saying, oh, they're not <laughs> going to listen to me. But listen, I work with these senators. I help draft some of these bills. Yeah. I have seen, you know, research proponents as they're preparing bills where your comments are in there, you know, they, they do hear them.
0: Well, and not only that, I had several, you know, in 21, uh, call me back. I, I called and left a few messages with the lawmakers secretary and, and a few of them called back and, and, and took note of my input uh, of what I had to suggest or say. And so it certainly doesn't go unnoticed. I mean, it's impressive, you know, when a state rep or two contact me back right here in this room, Uh, That was a year and a half ago, but uh, it does matter, and it's important to to, to contact um, your legislative arm and and, and let them know how you feel.
6: Yeah, and then just, uh, you know, I mentioned consults. One of the things that I do is I don't do free consults. I do paid consults, but there are a, a lot of people who... They may not need, a, you know, a full retainer with services, but I, you know, will sit down with you for an hour and answer, you know, your questions that you have about the hemp industry. With the caveat, obviously, that's for consult purposes only, and um, I, I wouldn't be your attorney, so I can't, you know, you can't bring in a contract and have me <laughs> sit there and try to draft it within the hour. But general questions, uh, you know, we're happy to. Yeah. Happy to tackle those for you.
0: Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, and, and it's great to, to, to hear and see you back out here. On. Have you back out here in the fight. Uh, she sent me a text earlier before the show, and she says, I, I really hope we get a client. I'd love to sue these guys again. <laughs> so. Yeah,
6: so if, you're, if you are listening, if you are a retailer or a distributor out there who's been white labeling your own product and your revenue is enough that you want to fight for this,
0: me call <laughs> <laughs> she would really like to sue them and so, i hope
2: so too i hope someone takes the bait here i mean but I but like- chelsea
0: can't we get you know i mean sometimes there's two or three organizations that build you know i don't know how that works with attorneys yeah, I, I coalition. Mean,
6: yeah. but yeah you yeah. create a
0: group you can create a group yeah. that that yeah. will it's f- just stick together getting
6: that group together who agrees to funding is always the the issue and you know, I there's there's pro bono, which is completely for free, which I, I don't have the capacity to do. I already do some pro bono work. And then there's low bono where we, you know, we can kind of work with you to get get the budget where it, it needs to be on something like this. But um, I don't think this is bluffing. You know, if you're listening and you think, oh, this is they're just sending out this email, you know, they're, they're not bluffing. They're going to start enforcing. Um, And then we'll start seeing some citations issued and see what, see what happens.
0: Well, fire off your website, your phone number. It's on screen here, but if you want to shoot out your, your office number for folks to get in touch with you guys to, to take a case, uh, here's your chance to, to, to fire off that number and and web address or your email.
6: Sure. You can always reach us at info at Ritter R i t t e r s p e n c e r R I T T E R S P E N C E R.com. And then the the main line that will take you to the front desk is 214-295-5070.
0: Well, there you have it. That's uh, an update from... uh our, 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 our legal friend here in, in, at the show, and we're glad to hear from you and see you in, uh, and let you uh, have a chance to answer some of these questions. A lot of people were actually reaching out and sending me this letter and kind of getting getting a little nervous about enforcement. But, Chelsea, thank you so much for being on the show and, and educating at least me on what's going on around here. So hopefully some of the, the listeners and those retailers and clients of ours uh, take heed to some of your, your words here this afternoon. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh-huh.
6: Of course. Thank you guys for having me back.
0: All right. There she goes. That's Chelsea Spencer. This has been podcast number 111.
2: Uh,
0: 111 uh, that's a great number a little angel number 111th show so next Not week on the insane. program we're gonna feature let's see who do I got I've got oh uh, Aaron Aaron from Tejas hemp will be on the program next week and then Lisa from the Texans for responsible marijuana policy uh, Lisa Sewell will be on as well and then uh, we're gonna be talking with uh, John Bradley over there at Tetra hemp company uh, as well and um, you might you're working on this Ricky Williams story
2: yes I think uh, we're going to score an interview with him. So yeah. that's going to be awesome. He has um, his new cannabis brand called um, Heisman, spelt highs men And he is a legendary Heisman winner himself, as well as, you know, he played for the Longhorns. So what could be better than that? And yeah. he, it, what's funny is he has his three categories of flower that are like, Pre game, halftime.
0: Oh, cool. That's right.
2: Yeah. So that way, you know, that's his Indica Sativa hybrids. I think it's clever and I'm excited to talk to him and get the story.
0: Well, cool. I think that would make a great April cover. I agree. For 420. Perfect. So that'd be kind of pretty <laughs> cool. Well, thank you to uh, Colt Power uh, as well as Chelsea Spencer for being on the show. Great, great informative show, guys. So thank you for them, to both of them chiming in on the Texas Hemp Show. She's Rachel. I'm Russell. We'll see you guys next week on the Texas Hymn Show. Good show today, guys. Thanks for tuning in.
3: Thought I've seen the world with a five-piece band Looking at the backside of me Singing my songs in one of his now and then But I don't think he ain't done them this way don't think Hank done